Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, episode 63 with Brantley Gilbert. How the kids doing, man? Oh, man, my, my boy's soft-hearted. He really is. He just got a kind, like, genuine little heart, man. And I, as much as I love that, we got to rub some dirt on him a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, this world ain't, ain't no joke, man. Nobody's in a hurry to do you favors. And my, my daughter, on the other hand, will probably run a criminal organization in kindergarten. <laughs> Let me say, Brantley Gilbert is one of my favorite people to interview. It's it's just always a good time. You never know what to expect. We had a lot of fun in this podcast talking new music, life in general, and how everything's been going for Brantley. As usual, please like, subscribe, comment, rate this podcast. All of it helps out. And this podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Hope you enjoy. Evan Paul here, hanging with Brantley Gilbert. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Good, Good to, to have you, you in. It's been a while. No, right? Dude. Yeah. Um, okay, so if I went back and told 21-year-old Brantley that in 15 years, he would have several platinum number one songs, married with two kids, which one would have been more surprising? Oh, I think wife and kids. Really? Sure. Yeah, both of them I'd have probably... Called you crazy and tried to fight you, but that was just kind of my deal back then. Um, <laughs> it was 15 years ago. We were still drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so you never really thought you'd be settled down with the, with the kids? No, man. Honest to God, there was a point in my life where, man, I wanted to be a, a biker. And I was comfortable with that. I liked the people in that culture and, and like what it meant and what it was. And the idea of being able to be wherever you want to be at any time. Um, uh, but when I when I stopped drinking, man, uh, when I when I got sober, a lot of things changed, and, and I realized that like I wasn't prioritizing any of the things that, that I was raised to prioritize, like being a good husband, being a good dad. One day, that wasn't. I figured my God kids were the closest thing I'd ever have to kids, and uh, and I was all right with that. But this we're talking about the same time frame that I didn't think legitimately. Now this is a true thought. You hear a lot of people say this, but there's. In my mind and in my heart, I believed probably I'd go in my early 30s if I made it to 30. You know, I just didn't think I was going to be here a long time. Um, but, yeah, man, getting getting uh, alcohol out of my life changed that. And um, then getting married and having kids, like, it's, you know, dude, like, where I'm at right now, <laughs> didn't, didn't ever think this old boy would see this at all. Uh, uh, that's well, grace of God, man. Speaking of your kids, what do you see in your son that like is you? Oh man, you know he he has a little fire in him from time to time. I got a little get I got to get a a little more grit in him. Um, <laughs> my, my boy's soft hearted. He really is. He just got a kind, like genuine little heart, man. And I, as much as I love that, we got to rub some dirt on him a little bit. Cause, uh-huh. You know, this world ain't. Ain't no joke, man. Nobody's in a hurry to do you favors, and it'll chew him up and spit him out like that. So, uh, but I was my favorite part about him is his, his heart, man. I mean, I love every everything about him, but as much as much as I love it, we got to change that a little bit. My my daughter, on the other hand, will probably run a criminal organization in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> like she's a straight up little gangster. If you ask her what you say to the police, she says, "I want my lawyer." 
If you ask my son, he tells you, I do not recall. (laughs) My wife hates it with a passion. She hates it. What are you worried about? Like um, in like ten years, when they can Google, like, are are you worried about what they'll find out? Like about your past? Is your wife worried? Um, I I imagine she's she's concerned. We we actually hadn't. We should probably talk about that, but. Uh, no, I've, you know, I've, I've talked about this pretty often. That's one of the hardest parts for me about, um, you know, when I really thought about, okay, this is real. I got a kid coming. Um, yeah, as soon as they're old enough to read, uh, they're, they're going to be privy to some, or, I mean, even understand some things. People, uh, you know how people are. Mm-hmm. People love to tell crappy stories. Yeah. Of oh, yeah. Not so proud moments. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, I had to quit worrying about it. Uh, I have a bad habit about worrying about things that, that hadn't happened, you know, and just wasting time worrying. Uh, I think at the end of the day, man, it's going to give me an opportunity to have a real conversation with them. Now, my kids are going to know some things about their dad earlier than most kids. Most kids never hear those stories about their dad. Uh, and that's kind of on me, man, because I've been the what you see is what you get guy. And people ask me questions, and I say I tell them the truth. and. Uh, so a lot of those stories came from me and, and to be honest with you, um, is that some of them are they things that I'm proud of? Like, absolutely not. But at the same time, um, I, I think it's going to rob them of a little bit of innocence and thinking their dad's a hero and stuff, but I'm okay with that, man. Cause I, I really, I think it's going to give me an opportunity to show them at an early age, how imperfect I am and you know, how looking up there is probably a, you know, safer bet. I want to be. I, I want to be the man that hunted the moon to my my son and my daughter. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing that they're they're going to know early that I'm not perfect, um, and that I'm not necessarily a superhero. <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, and it'll give me an opportunity to to have conversations. Definitely a little earlier than than most kids will be having those conversations, but I think it'll be necessary. And I'm hoping, man. You know, I'm trying to see the. The brighter side of it, I'm I'm hoping that um, that it changes something in the best way for them early. I think it will. I mean, look, when they go to school, like, uh, what's your dad do? He's an IT. What's your dad do? He's a fucking badass. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll be able to say that. You yeah. know, like, so it, it goes. It has negatives and positives. You know, yeah, my dad will beat up your dad. Yeah, yeah, my dad will put you in the ground, homie. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. Put that bumper sticker on his bike. You know? I dare you. I dare you. Um, okay, so your new album, uh, so help me God, it kind of came out without an announcement. Like, yeah. Surprise. Is there, what's the reason for that, man? Why not? You know, it was we've been waiting years now to to release an album, and man, we've I'm, we went on every year. We go to Texas with uh, Hardy, uh, Will Weatherly, Brock Berryhill, the Phillips Boys, Brent Tyler. Uh, I mean, it's just a laundry list of the guys that are uh, Randy Montana. A laundry list of the guys that are really killing it right now here. Um, and man, we've got those trips are a week long. We got two of those under our belt worth of songs, and I'm kind of a song hoarder. Meaning, I, man, that's been probably one of the worst habits of my career. Is I I freaking I hog songs and I don't pitch them because I think I'm going to cut all of them. You know, in my mind, we're going to release 16 records this year. <laughs> like you know, and not knowing that's not that's not possible, realistic, yeah. but. Um, man, I would like to get something else out. 
we're planning on doing a lot next year. Uh, Jelly Roll let it slip the other night that we're actually working on an EP, if not a whole record right now, together. Um, I know he's got a project that he's coming with around the first of the year. We are, too. So there's there's And there's a lot um, in the windshield for next year. Tell me how you linked up with Jelly Roll, and, and tell me about that relationship. Uh, dude, neither one of us can remember exactly how it happened. <laughs> that um, sounds about right. But I can tell you, the first song I heard of his uh, was a song called Fall in the Fall. It was him and Struggle. And I loved that song. I loved the way it was written. I loved what it said. loved that it was unapologetic about, you know, what it was, just the song itself. Um, and I had heard that he was a real dude, right? But uh, guys like us recognize each other in the room. Uh-huh. And when I met him, it was like, okay, immediately, this dude's real. Really yeah, good. like I, in my opinion, as soon as you get a face tat, like you're you're for real. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the next level. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So as soon as I saw him, I was like, he's all in, real deal. Yeah, he's man. I, I tell you what, there are people that say that they're that kind of individual a lot, and there are a lot of people that want to be that. You know, every, almost everybody in our business is kind of obsessed with being real and authentic. It don't get no more real and authentic than that, Bubba. He's telling you stories that are true that are uncomfortable to to tell that make other people in the room. When you ask his, when you ask about his story, you sit in the room. Some some people, you know, they they get uncomfortable, it's, and I I can relate to that. <laughs> My story makes people uncomfortable, but the dude's putting it all out on the table. He's writing songs about things that people don't have conversations about. Uh, he's he's talking about things that aren't easy to talk about. Um, he's talking about addiction, man. He's talking about you know, like growing up in the streets, and this this dude really did. You know, he's a, a gigantic white dude that, that knows everything. You know, but he he was he's a street guy. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I have I have a mad respect for that, right? Yeah. This, this dude made something and then something of himself, um, without really having any kind of road paid for him. This joker cut a trail through the woods to get here. You know what I mean? And I got I got respect for that. I don't feel, I don't feel like anybody can take anything from him. Yeah, if you two were a Jeopardy question, it would be like uh, two guys I wouldn't want to see in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> Brantley Gilbert, Jelly Roll. <laughs> so I'd probably just ask you if he was lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to get out of this alley, bro? Man, me and Jelly been stuck here for hours. <laughs> but let me ask, so Jelly Roll is kind of genre-bending in the sense that he does rock and country, but then you're on tour with Five Finger Death Punch, who is not country. So where does that end? Like, could you, are you going to keep going on tour with rockers or country or both? I think we'll keep mixing it up, man. Um, Post-COVID touring is a little bit weird. And, uh, you know, and we've always known where we belong when it came to this genre, right? As long as there was a box, we'd blown right on the outside of it. You know, safe distance. We could reach out and touch it if we needed to to try to get something on radio and, and a song for, for mainstream country folks. But, I mean, let's be honest. Stylistically, on all my records from the beginning, there's, there's R&B vibes, there's hip-hop vibes, there's rock vibes. There's, you can find a little bit of everything. I've always been a guy that, that listened to a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But I write about my life. So I grew up in a small town. You know, I did shit jobs, work farms, mm. you know, like I'm a country dude. Um, that's really the only life I know, you know about being country and being around a little bit of biker world. Um, and, you know, like I said, I don't really write songs about anything I'm not knowledgeable about, right? And, and that I hadn't lived in. So 
there's no other thing it can be than country, right? There's, but you can call it Southern rock or rock or whatever. And I just think it's music. Yeah. Right? And I, I like songs, especially right now, uh, the way people are consuming music, man. Um, it's a song at a time at best. Like, I feel like we don't have a lot of room to try to turn songs into something else. Cause there was a time and you can hear this on my records, on my albums, you go back and, there was a time when we tried to take a song that had a lot of hip hop influence or, or a lot of rock influence, or um, and, and we tried to make it really country, and it came across as apologetic. And I'm not gonna make that mistake anymore because it's like now the way people listen to music, if a song's a rock song, by God, let's bring the freaking guitars and let's go to work. Okay, you know if it's got a yeah. hip hop vibe, and you're gonna hear trap pat, and if you hate it, you know you got a lot of people right now that are saying. Like, in defense of Jelly, they'll listen to his old stuff. He's always oh, a rapper. And, dude, he is. He's he's Jelly Roll is what he is. He's an artist. He sings. He can rap. The dude can do a lot. You know what I mean? And people talking about there's no room for rap in country. There's no room for rock in country. I mean, what are you? You got a PhD in your opinion? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's music. Yeah. It's music. If yeah. you don't like yeah. it, there's a volume button or a power button. Yeah. Skip it. Keep yeah. rocks, you know? Um, but... Yeah, man, I actually enjoy that about music right now. Um, you know, and I feel like Jelly Roll's leading the charge for a whole, like, man, there's a whole underground movement that a lot of mainstream folks have no idea that exists. And I'm talking about the world of freaking your Adam Calhouns and your Tom McDonald's and your Upchurches. And, you, I mean, these guys that are very much alive and well on social media but still kind of kept hush-hush on the mainstream side of things. I feel like Jelly's opening up roles for them, you know, rooms for them too, and that's man, it's it's a cool time in music to me. I like when I like when shit gets shook up. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, hey, you can't stay in in your little comfort zone uh-huh. when stuff starts shaking. You either got to be something and be about it, or you know, you go away. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about your. Um your song, I Haven't By Then. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's huge. You got Vince Gill, you know, on the deal. You got Blake. Yeah. Um, so we went from Jelly Roll to Five Figure Death Punch to Blake Shelton. Right. Right? Yeah. Do you, do you spend a lot of time looking back and trying to change history or, you know? Um, as far as? Like in your life, like, like with the, yeah. Uh, man, dude, you know what? With a three-year-old and a five-year-old, me and a husband now, I, I want to, if I'm gone, if I'm spending time away from my family, I want to be having fun. And I, I think that's that's what this next chapter is going to be about for me. I'm going to grind because that's all I know how to do. Um, I'm going to hustle because that's all I know how to do. But I'm going to try to enjoy it this time around. I've been how doing did, this for a long time, man, and never really stopped to slow down smell the roses or anything. I'm not saying I'm going to make a habit out of that, but. I want to have some fun. I want to write some crazy songs. I want to write some country songs. I want to write some, some. You know, I want to collab with a lot of people. Um, how did this collaboration come about? How how did Vince and Blake end up on it, dude? All right. So every now and then you write a song, and in the writing process, you'll hear the feature. And I feel like every one of us, as this song was being written, had Blake Shelton on our mind. His name was said like it was it was a thing. It was you know we could hear him on it. Uh, you know, and this is 3 o'clock in the morning in Texas. You know, most of the guys been drinking. Those of us didn't drink might have spent a little time with Willie. Um, you know, so we're, we're 
We're grooving. It's just in the middle of the night, you know, and Hardy picks up a guitar, and that's never a bad thing. I don't care how much anybody's <laughs> been drinking. This, this kid's freaking amazing. And But, uh, you know, we're sitting out there, and lines started getting thrown at this song, and, I mean, the minute so Taylor Phillips was talking about something else, and he said, in, in a, just a talking sentence, man, I hope I'm in heaven by then. And the whole room stopped. It was the funniest part about it was Hardy like literally slammed his fist on the table and he said, "Why would you say that in front of ten people? <laughs> Why the hell would you scream that in front of ten writers? You know, they was, you know, by design you kind of hold that under your tongue and take it in a room and write it with one other person and uh-huh, take uh-huh. home some cash. But dude, I think it was special that." Damn near everybody on the Texas trip got a ride on it because everybody that was sitting outside, how do you say, well, dude didn't put one word in it. I don't remember who said what. Um, we were all throwing lines, and, and it turned out to be an amazing song. And w- what I love most about it, right, is uh, I never thought in a million years I'd get to do a song with Blake Shelton. Right? I never thought in a million years I'd get to do a song with, Blake, with Vince Gill and to have both of them on one. Um, I don't have a bucket list, but if I did, you know, we've been making check marks all over it. Um, <laughs> but it's a special song to me, man, and it says exactly where, you know, what I feel right now, like where I'm at in this chapter of my life. I do feel like I'm a little bit of an old soul, I guess. I'm a little old school about some things. And, hey, man, the way things are in this world right now, like I feel like life kind of, or society maybe walked off and left me, and I'm okay with it, if that makes any that sense. That makes sense, you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of old boys like me that – Man, we like what we like, and, you know, the new way of doing things and, and uh, the new way of thinking about things doesn't really really sit right with us sometimes. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of what the song's about, man. And, and uh, you know, it's just got a special meaning with some, some really special dudes on it. And, uh, man, I, I'm kind of just, to be honest with you, I, I really can't believe it all came together like that. Like, I'm still kind of in a little bit of disbelief. Um, you know, we're in, you know, week one. And it's uh, 59 ads, so it's number one wow. most added and uh, debuted at 29 on Billboard. Like, you know, it's been a long time for this old boy. We, we hadn't released a record in three years, so. And I'm uh, I'm stoked to be back at it. And uh, this whole next chapter, man, it's going to be something else. Sweet. I want to play one quick thing for you. Come uh, on. Um, that Jason Aldean said when I had him in here. Oh. Uh, Brantley wrote, um, what was it, Dirt Road Anthem, and he recorded it first or whatever? Yeah, so so the way I kind of met Brantley was when we got ready to to cut the My Kind of Party album, my producer was like, you know, check out these songs, and he sent me Dirt Road Anthem and My Kind of Party. And Brantley had written both of those, and I guess he, he had recorded them or something, and but it was, you know, he was still kind of underground. He was in it. He was in Georgia, kind of doing more of a local kind of thing. He hadn't moved to Nashville, didn't have his record deal, none of that kind of stuff. And, um, I mean, I remember hearing the demo to my kind of party, and it sounded like he cut it in his bathroom. You know what I mean? So it was not like. Not far from the truth. It was just like a demo version of the song. That record was cut at a gospel studio right outside of Winder, Georgia, with a praise and worship band minus one guy. Wow. No joke. Wow. It was like, dude, it cost me, all right, five grand to make the entire record and get my first 200 copies of a CD that had my 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 picture on it, you know, my graphics. Uh, and, dude, I was, I'm telling you, I followed, the, I knew the guy, the UPS driver, and I called him the day they were supposed to come in. 
I was like, if you got them, just tell me where you are. The minute you get them, I'll come meet you. And, you know, and he did. And for the longest time, I'd take literally on Facebook, right? People would send their stuff via PayPal, and you'd get their address off of that. And I would literally go to the, the post office twice a week and handwrite addresses and literally send every single one of them out myself. And um, But all that five grand paid for the entire record to be cut and recorded. And my my graphics done in my first shipment of two hundred CDs. That's, wow. that's what he heard. I mean, that's that's the modern day prodigal son record. I had spiked hair on the cover of that thing. <laughs> right, no joke, no tattoos, like, and I sounded like a baby. Like, if you listen to that, my records now, like you know exactly how many cigarettes I've smoked, <laughs> like how many dirt roads I've been down, how much diesel smoke I've inhaled. It's like, what has this guy been doing? Even me, I listened to it. Somebody played this on the other day, and I was like, Jesus Lord, like, was I twelve? You know what I mean? But yeah, dude, he changed my life, man. I thank the world of that dude, and and uh, you know, dude, I, I thought there was something special about. Him, he's always had like a different ear. To be able to hear what that song could be from that recording is 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 a little nuts. So, man, big shout out to him and Michael Knox for actually hearing potential in that and turning it into what they did. Uh, and you know, I wrote my kind of party by myself when I was seventeen in the back of an insulation blow truck. Um, and you know, as far as Dirt Road Anthem, man, that was he changed me and Colt's life both with that song, and I'll forever be grateful for that. And I feel like that song opened the doors for how many people, you know, and how many kind of different vibes of country music came to the table. And I know a lot of people aren't as thankful about that as we are, but you know, I think a lot of folks benefited from that. It was one of those times where it kind of bent the bent the foundation or built the barrier of the genre enough to slide some folks in that weren't invited. And I love that. Well, dude, thanks for taking the time to hang with me today, yeah, man. Yeah, brother. Thank you for having me, man, yeah. as always. Appreciate you. Now let's go ahead and bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this interview. Are you always a little surprised about how forthcoming Brantley Gilbert is when he sits down with you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love talking to Brantley, but I feel like he's going to always get in trouble, not by his like label or anything, but by his wife. I feel like his wife's going to go home and hear these interviews and be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I think... <laughs> It's funny, this is a a legit quote that we're going to roll with at some point on Taste of Country. Quote, my daughter, on the other hand, will probably run a criminal organization in high school. (laughs) The girl's like, what, is she three? I mean... And then he was talking about how his son uh, has too too big of a heart and he needs to throw some dirt on him a little bit and kind of rough him up and get him ready for the world. Uh, I think think it's funny that it it happens that way because... Because you know Brantley is a is a guy that you know you would see rolling security for a motorcycle gang, you know, and the fact that uh, he has such a big heart, I think that um, kind of got passed on to his son, and I think he wants to rough him up to get him a little more Brantley. You know, I always talk about this, and, and maybe we've talked about it before, uh, but I've I've been with you know Brantley. I've covered his entire career when he signed with Valerie and through now and so that early Brantley Gilbert and maybe even a little bit when he was still drinking. I interviewed him and he was tough. Like I think I I, I went I, I reached out to his record label label rep the first time I talked to him just to get a few topics that he might do well with. And she told me uh, motorcycles and his mama. 
And I guess I did all right because he kind of keeps coming back to Taste of Country to kind of share some of his most honest thoughts. And, um, you know, each time he's a little bit more forthcoming and a little bit better, but he's never given a quarterback answer in his life, I don't think. I don't think so either. I, I remember one time I had uh, Brantley in here, like in 2019, I, I think, before the pandemic, and it was uh, right before uh, Carly Pierce was getting ready to get married to Michael Ray, and Brantley and Michael Ray were on tour, and we had, um, I was like, yo, Brantley, did you get the invite yet for the wedding? And he was like, no, man, come think of it. Let's call up Michael right now. And he just calls up and he's like, you're live on the radio, man. Hey, where's my invite? You know, like he could have just been like, I haven't got invited yet, but, uh, you know, I'm sure they're narrowing it down. Maybe I'll make the cut. You know, it could have just as easily said something like that. And so you're right. You, you don't get quarterback answers at a Brantley ever, like ever. I wonder if he's like that at home. Is it a temptation for you? I think when there's artists or anybody you're talking to who's so out there, there's a temptation to really kind of push that and see where the boundaries are and, and maybe even overstep. Are there th- places you won't go with Brantley or artists like that? Or, or is it a temptation to you to just really to see if they can kind of talk so much that they would embarrass themselves? <laughs> like, how do you kind of find that boundary I, in an interview? Um, there's a few different levels. You know, there's your... There's your, all right, just keep it to the script and ask them generic questions, you know, and then there's the, when you get people that, you know, like to talk and divulge stuff, you know, there's the the mid to upper level, you know, where you can get in there, like, you know, like Brantley and, and uh, Jason Aldean, you know, I think the, the thing that, that I stop at would be just the typical politics and religion, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it just can get a little squishy when you start going there, and right. I probably would wouldn't ask Brantley that. Although I don't think Brantley, I feel like if I asked him about politics, I feel like he just would be like, "Man, I don't keep up with that." Yeah, I, but I don't know. Right. I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, he's he's an artist we respect, so we want to keep that line of respect. I guess if there was an artist who was ad open, or or maybe even just a celebrity in another form who we didn't have any respect for, who or who was even kind of presents himself as sort of a caricature, you could kind of run him into some of those uh, <laughs> those brambles. But uh, you know, Brantley, we like him so much and respect him. Is yeah, like I don't that. want anybody like uh, getting mad or hanging up on. I mean, one time I had uh, someone hang up on me a long time ago, but it was uh, like you said, it was it was Jonah Hill. It was an actor, so I was like, whatever. Like if he's gonna hang up on me, like I don't care. I don't. What'd you do? Uh, it was right after he lost weight, and I was just asking him if he was worried that people would think he wasn't as funny now that he wasn't as big, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. He, he was just like, I was. Well, I mean, the way I said it was like, I was just like, uh, do you think people, what do you want to say to people that say you're not as funny now that you're not fat anymore? And um, I was like, do you think you're not as funny? You know, and, and he was just like, Hang on, hang on one sec, and then it like shuffled, and then he just hung up. <laughs> but then I read like I read more into like Jonah Hill uh, after that, and mm-hmm. I, he doesn't. I guess he like gets weird. He doesn't like talking about weight and stuff, and you know he just gets weird about talking about his weight. So I was like, okay. I mean, I still aired it, you know. And then, oh, absolutely! It, yeah, it made for like better. It made it better. Like people were all Dude. pumped. Like, why did he hang up on you? 
if you ever have an interview that an artist walks out on you or like hangs up on you, we're running that whole thing and we're, we're, you know, we're <laughs> highlighting that. Yeah. Like we, yeah. Thought, we thought Hank Williams, like we were fully anticipating at some point when Hank Williams Jr. came through that he would walk out on you during that interview. Like that was fully our anticipation. But I mean, I, I totally planned to run that if it happened. I mean, d- didn't you? Do you think the heck yeah, we're going with that? Yeah, I thought he was, I, when I asked him for a cigar, because he was smoking one and he didn't say anything, mm. he just got up and walked out. I thought that was it, but he, was he was walking it. out to go get a cigar for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm full. I'm all about it. If if anybody hangs up or gets pissed, like you have full permission, man, run that because that's what people want to hear. You know, that's why TMZ was so successful. You know, they want to see Kanye beating up somebody with a camera. You know, that's just what people want. So sometimes you got to give it to them. But I, I don't know. Not with Brantley. I like Brantley. I tell you the part that kind of surprised me about this interview. I mean, the, the beginning part did certainly where he talks about not want, thinking he would live to be this age. Um, but later when he was kind of having some candid thoughts about Jelly Roll and sort of this new charge of country musicians and admitting that his music, you know, once in a while it lines up with what's played on country radio, but by and large, he's throwing so many other genres in there. It's just kind of a, a shot in the dark that he might have some single success. Like that was kind of some candid success and even has how he talked about how he was going to take that on the road with them. Like that was, it shows he's kind of continuing to innovate even after all this success. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's on tour with like rock bands and I I just, that's, I loved talking to him about that. Like I just, him and Jelly Roll, I, I think it's so cool. Like you, you could play with Blake Shelton one day and then Five Finger Death Punch the next day and you just don't get that with too many people and uh, I like that Brantley's able to kind of reinvent himself per se and and be in that crew. When an artist kind of talks about that and talks about how they're leaning into other genres and recognizing that there's so many other ways to get the music out there, does that make you feel a little bit nervous for your job in the long term? No. You know why? It does because- me. <laughs> I don't get nervous because if you if you look at how many country artists there are that we haven't even heard about, like if if even if we lost ten to twenty core artists, there would be ten to twenty more ready to go. I I just I say no because I I've seen it with my own eyes, man. I just I've seen Nash. You know you've seen it just on Broadway. It's there's just. There's so many people, you know, even people I read about on tasteofcountry.com. I'm like, I never heard of that person, you know, and then you go to their social media and they're, they're all verified and there's just so many people in the shoot ready to go. And uh, it doesn't make me that nervous, but it shouldn't you either, man. There'll always be stuff to write about. Brantley's always got country hits, you know, there's always stuff to write about. He'll get into a fight or something, and you'd be like, "Remember that country artist Brantley?" Gilbert? Well, I'll, I'll yeah. say this. I mean, there's always been well, artists. I'll, who have I'll made say this. I like mean, there's the always been artists who have made it to like the biggest of stages without radio and help country from music. Radio. Um, I think of an artist named Corey Smith. I think of an artist named Corey Smith out of Georgia as one. Uh, Brandy Carlisle certainly uh, fits that bill, um, but I don't know that there's too many currently who are like true headliners. Except for this kid, Zach Bryant. He seems to be reaching the highest levels. And he's kind of really the first. And he hasn't done any of the rounds in, in radio or anything like that. Like, he just doesn't do interviews, but he's still finding those stages. So it does seem to, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to still matter to a large degree. Like people, radio still certainly matters. Yeah, especially in this format. You know, this is uh, if it's not going to matter in any format, I don't think it'll be this one for a while. I, I think uh, radio is still pertinent. It's the only it's the only, you know, format where a country artist wins an award and they go and they thank country radio, you know, and other formats. I've worked in other formats and you never hear the word radio. You never hear that, you know, and I think the machine that's between, you know, the labels and the and the radio stations and the. And uh, getting the music out to the people, I think that machine is solid right now. So whoever's next will be next. And, you know, the cream always rises to the top, I think. We'll keep seeing a ton of country artists. with They they know what it takes to make singles, I think. Yep. The, the ones that are successful, they know what it takes. Uh, last question, anything that you wished you would have asked them as you kind of listened back through the interview? Man, there's something that I've... I, I've always wanted to know from Brantley, but I'll, I'll probably never ask him. But I just want to be like, hey, man, Ooh. you ever killed anybody? <laughs> 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 That's not where I thought you were going with that. Uh, <laughs> you, ever shot, you ever shot a man? Yeah, I, I would um, maybe wait till your retirement week uh, or yeah. something. I thought you were going to ask about Janet Creamer. That's that's the one thing no, I want to no, know. No, no, no. I want to know what went wrong. No, no. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure I'd want to know that, but more uh, higher up on the list is uh, if he's ever killed anybody. Because hey, man, I feel like I would take the over on that. I feel like I feel like there's a chance. Uh, list ideas that we'll store away for. For much later, <laughs> country artists who we suspect have killed a man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for now, that's it. Yeah. Let's just say thank you very much uh, for listening to Taste of Country Nights on Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.